everyone, welcome to Parallel Leaders, where we come alongside you, believing that eight growth points are really going to help you and your organization grow. Again, those eight growth points are the leader has to grow, the team has to grow, your systems have to grow, numbers have to grow, you want your expectations to grow, finances to grow, the facilities need to grow, and the culture needs to grow. And if you apply those eight growth points, we believe without a doubt your organization is going to grow as well. Today we have a fantastic conversation that I did with my friend Tim Lucas, who is the pastor of Liquid Church in New Jersey. They have seven campuses there. The church began in 2007 and recently was named by Outreach Magazine as one of the fastest growing churches in America. And the conversation we have about leadership post-COVID is fascinating. Their church is doing some amazing things, and you're going to learn a lot from this conversation. So without further ado, let's go to my conversation with Pastor Tim Lucas. Well, I've been excited for this interview for quite some time now, and I cannot wait for today's conversation. I want to welcome back to the podcast, Pastor Tim Lucas of Liquid Church in New Jersey. Welcome, Pastor Tim. So good to see you. Kelly, great to be with you and the Parallel Leadership family. Big fans cheering for you guys, and uh, just always a joy to be together with a like-minded brother. Yeah, man. I, I think the last time we had you on was like right before this little thing called COVID happened. And for our audience, why don't you catch us up on how you've been doing the last crazy two years? Oh, come on. I think like any pastors or leaders, let's let's be real, man. We are just you know, scrapping through, man, you're pushing through. And I'm sure everybody has felt the roller coaster ride that COVID has had. And, uh, you know, I think like a lot of pastors, I gave up. Uh, we all held that hope. Let's put it that way. We were, quote, going back to normal at some point. And it was like, I remember when it hit, I told my staff, I said, guys, this is March, you know, 20, uh, 2020. I said, uh, guys, this is not like a snow day, guys. It's not going to be just this Sunday. I think it might last another week. We could have two weeks, guys of interruption. <laughs> yeah. Imagine, man, it's so quaint now, you know, so, so naive, but, uh, and then it was, you know, well, maybe, you know, it, it may last all the way until the summer. It's possible. Who knows? And then we're like, but certainly by the fall, we'll get back to normal when that didn't happen, obviously Christmas. <laughs> and then when that yep. didn't happen, I think most church leaders were like Easter, Easter is the perfect day to bounce back. Jesus is risen. And so are we. And uh, that didn't happen either. And so it has been one long slog that has tested, I think, our, our staff, our leaders everywhere, their character, their resilience, and has really been, uh, you know, exposed a lot of weaknesses and gaps, which is often a gift to leadership. It's so true. And I think it's caused many of us to kind of uh, be self-evaluating more than ever. And, and the landscape of, of the church has forever changed. Uh, you know, we, let's just get past the idea that we're going back to something. This is the new normal. So let's talk to the leaders that are struggling right now. Uh, and what what personal disciplines or practices have you changed or reimagined as you reevaluated yourself and your leadership over the past season? Yeah. So, you know, you've probably seen the LifeWay research that says, you know, right now, something like 48% of pastors, church leaders are think have given serious consideration to quitting. Uh, or transitioning. And I've certainly known many in, you know, my own orbit and coaching network who have chosen that path. And, um, but, you know, I think, I think most are more disoriented mm -hmm. uh, than anything else because all the, you know, it's Terra Nova, there's a tectonic shift that's happened and all the metrics 
of even knowing, you know, are we winning? <laughs> the sanctuary is half full. Uh, you know, people are online in, in, in Zoom rooms. Does that count? You know, um, it has really thrown a lot of disorientation. And so, you know, I was talking with our staff and I'm always trying to encourage them because there's a lot of discouragement right now with leaders. And uh, one of them said, I feel like we're giving twice the effort for half the impact. And I thought, man, that, that really describes it well. And so for so me, true. to answer your question, you know, I've had to look introspectively as a lead pastor and say, man, what am I in this for? Uh, you know, I, I signed up, I was called to this. And if it's not a, a career, and it really is a calling. Then the reality is in the, you know, the thin times, the lean times, just like Habakkuk, when there's no, you know, there's no donkeys in the stall or a few people in the room. Uh, you say, it's okay, man. Uh, Jesus, I, this is an audience of one. And even if one person is impacted, that's what I'm in it for. And so that was a good reality check. Our, our church, Liquid Church, turned 15 years old. Wow. Uh, few weeks ago on Easter, that's 2022. And, you know, uh, it helped. It was a great reality check just to say, hey, here, how, here's how far the Lord has taken us. But what does liquid 2.0 look like? You know, that was the first 15 years. The next 15 years are probably going to look very, very different in terms of hybrid ministry, the meta church. You know, we can get into the details of that. But for me as a leader, I've had to, it's, it's stripped me back to some basics. My quiet time with Jesus is probably more important, more vital even now i'm finding myself pausing for prayer throughout the day whereas i think pre-pandemic i fell into a little bit of a uh you know uh, habit of like you know you kind of fill up in the morning and then let's plow through all of our leadership stuff right and now i'm finding man i need jesus not in the morning not just morning but i need him at noon i lose my faith by two o'clock i got <laughs> so i'm practicing some breath prayers uh, probably more contemplative practices that are more ancient, ironically, to help me be the kind of future leader our church needs. Man, that's so good. I, I think a lot of us can identify with that. But you didn't just sit around and get introspective. I mean, you. I kept on seeing Liquid Church and, and you guys in the news, and not for anything bad, but in, instead, I, I read things like, you guys gave away one and 1.1 million meals to Haiti last year. Like it took over 3000 volunteers to do that. And then you paid off something like 3,800 people's medical debt, uh, which that that's, was close to $14 million. You guys gave away. Come on all that during COVID. So when most pastors and leaders are just focusing on surviving, um, why did you decide to focus so heavily on, on these things and outreach and community-based efforts? Well, every crisis is an opportunity, right? So, you know, when people are looking at the pandemic and have that scarcity mindset, oh no, now we can't do this. Now we're handcuffed with this. We don't have people. We have these restrictions, et cetera. To me, it's the moment to mobilize the church into action. You know, we like to say we always want to mobilize our people from their seats and into the streets to serve because that's when we're at our best. Yeah. And so, um, you know, our people really have a heart to help. So we were, you know, bringing, you know, relief supplies, et cetera, to all of our local communities. We have uh, seven campuses. And so we just would fan out, you know, into the neighborhoods, you know, and this was the early days, right? When people weren't sure exactly what COVID was and our people, hey, put their masks on and going door to door and bring relief supplies, food, et cetera, to single moms. Um, but what we found is, uh, if you remember the pandemic, there was a lot of initially unemployment and we had a lot of families in the Northeast of the United States, struggling with medical debt, just crushing, you know, they can mm. barely make minimum payments and the interest accruing, it's just impossible. 
And so we kind of had an idea. I mean, at the heart of our message, the gospel is about Jesus canceling our debt of sin, right? God pays it himself, no strings attached, free gift of grace. And so we said, man, what if we actually were able to uh, ask our people to give generously and then put it in the hands of our partners, RIP Medical Debt, awesome nonprofit organization that basically buys medical debt for pennies on the dollar. And then they get a letter from our church saying, guess what? Your medical debt, your bill has been paid in full by Liquid Church. Um, we believe God canceled our debt of sin, and it's our joy to cancel your medical debt and give you freedom. Uh, so, so yeah, cool. It was so cool. We just, you know, our people gave generously and working with RIP Medical Debt, we, um, we paid off $14 million, uh, you know, medical debt for, you know, single moms, seniors who were just total people with children who had, you know, just pretty grave, serious medical conditions. It's about 3,800 families. Uh, across five counties in New Jersey. So that's the church at its best, right? Absolutely. Handed, no strings attached. I think that's what our cynical world needs to see. You know, Absolutely. so many scandals right now, you know, of, 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 you know, oh, you know, the church is toxic, the church is hypocritical, and hey, some of it well-deserved. But the church at its best, man, is when we're serving in the spirit of Christ, no strings attached, elevating the poor, helping the needy. Absolutely. Man, that's so inspiring. I love that. Love, love, love that. So t talk about some of the responses that you got from, from people whose medical debt was paid off and what kind of impact did that have on them? Oh, tears. You know, the way it works is, you know, it's more anonymous. We don't, you know, because obviously privacy with health, we don't ask to know who those people are. Yeah, we simply yeah. ask, can we include a letter when they get their bill that says paid in full and let them know why we're doing it? It's not because we're good people. It's because we're God's people. Yeah. That's what inspired us. And, uh, you know, some of them wrote back to IP Medica, please tell Liquid Church, we just broke down in tears when we got this. We actually were avoiding opening because we thought another medical bill that we can't possibly meet. Wow. And literally when they opened it and saw, you know, paid in full, God loves you, so do we, uh, they just broke down in tears. At first, they couldn't believe it. They thought, is, is it, this can't be real. Wow. Uh, you know, but again, it's a church at its best, right? Where it's like, yeah. it's like the, it's like the new Testament in acts, right? Where the people came together and they shared their possessions and everything in common. And acts two says they wiped out poverty among them. Like that's mind boggling. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're not a social agency, but we are a spiritual, uh, you know, movement. And so it was a thrill to do. And again, you got to leverage crisis and see the opportunity, man. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. That, I mean, that is the church at its best. That is what we are. Uh, call to do, man. I, I love that so much. So talk to us as leaders. How, how did you engage and, and continually lead your, your teams to become, you know, passionate about moving past their own personal comforts and, and the craziness of, of what this pandemic has been. And, you know, to, to think beyond just themselves and to take on a cause like this. Yeah. So interestingly enough, it um, involved actually slowing them down mm. and, asking them, we, we took a season where I said, you know, to, to get through this pandemic. And again, we had no idea how long it would last, but man, I'm glad we made the investment. Uh, early on, I joined a emotionally healthy uh, pastors group with, with Pete Scazzaro. And uh, it was like, you know, divinely appointed, just perfect because I'm an activist by nature. I'm guessing you are too, you know, yeah. is that right? Are you an Enneagram three? I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm an eight, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm an activist. Yeah. Three or eight is usually yeah, the profile. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as an activist, you love to see progress. And, you know, we're not going to 
stand around and navel gaze. But sometimes we are moving at such a fast pace to make an impact. Can we have a good place? Yeah, yeah. Neglect uh, not just our personal disciplines, but our doing for Jesus exceeds our being with Jesus. That's my biggest challenge as a leader, honestly. And what I realize is I need to rebalance that, recalibrate, and become more of a contemplative activist, where my time with Jesus was then creating the overflow by which I could, and then setting boundaries, just recognizing, hey, man, ministry is a marathon. It's not a sprint. In fact, it's a relay race. I want to be leaning into the tape as I hand the baton to the next generation of leaders. And so we slowed down our staff. We said, yeah, we're working maybe twice as hard for half the impact, but it's not just about pushing harder. We've got to slow down and take time for Sabbath. We've got to set margin. We've got to recognize there's extraordinary emotional toll here, not just physical. You know, like after a weekend, we do baptisms and Easter. Everyone feels like, you know, it's Monday night football, just limping into (laughs) Monday with a Sunday hangover. And it's a, it's a good tired, but I think the pandemic made us emotionally tired. Uh, People were exhausted from, you know, getting dinged by, you know, whether you talked about racial reconciliation or politics or gender issues, or you, you name it, you get hit with rocks from both sides. And so taking that time to lead our staff through really a season of soul care uh, that gave us common language, that emotionally healthy spirituality was a godsend. Is an investment that I, I thought, oh, this will just be a survival skill then, but it is now a thriving kind of skill now. It's really become to define our culture more and more. So let's let's press into that impact. So the, um, talk about the impact that you know being community focused and, and through the pandemic and outreach focused as as a church with both your staff and with the people in your congregation. What what kind of impact did that have on the on the people that you lead and on you personally? Just focusing on these things. Well, it gets us out of our such our self centered me centered view of church. Right? You know what's in it for me. Man, right. take away, you know, Sunday services and meeting in person and all the things, you know, full rooms and worship nights and all that kind of stuff. When you strip that away, you're like, what am I in this for? Is it going to be an other-centered spirituality or is it me-centered? And so it definitely sloughed off, I think, some folks in our church who probably were a little bit more consumeristic. And we recognize we don't want to just serve the North American consumer Jesus. We want the crucified Christ, right? Who's right. laying down his life. So for a lot of people, it was a reaffirmation of their calling, you know, because it strips away all the comforts, all some of the, um, the upsides, the benefits, right, of ministry. and does get you to think more reflectively, what am I in this for? So I think it steeled the resolve of those who are here. I think those who are maybe on the, on the fence teetering, I mean, just quickly, the pandemic just threw all those people off. That's where you end up right. with the great resignation, the churn, the churn within church attendance, et cetera. Um, so I see it as a pruning season. Like there's no doubt uh, Jesus right. is pruning his bride and he does it out of love. It's not out of punishment. And he actually says, of course, in John, where he says, you know, it's not just the dead branches I prune off. The healthy ones get pruned. So right. I'm just like they all get cut, but it's for a season of future fruitfulness to come. And so the people who are still here, um, you know, I think are more optimistic than ever. It's going to mm. look different. It's going to feel different, but it's kind of like, you know, we're laying the foundation of the second temple. There's right. crying and there's cheering. And I want to be the part that's cheering at the new things God's doing. Okay. So let's talk about, let's talk about pace then. Like when, how do you know when you're, you know, pushing them too hard? I mean, cause I mean, the pruning is, is happening and, and it's going to happen regardless. And I think you're absolutely right 
that there's a pruning going on within within the church. But talk about pace when you how do you know when okay you're going too fast in undertaking some of these big challenges and and when you're pushing too hard and when when you're going the right pace for the people that you're leading. Yeah. So with everything going more and more virtual, and we're more of a hybrid work ministry now, right? Where people might have been in the office Monday through Thursday or Monday through Friday. Um, you know, it definitely is more of a hybrid. People are there Monday, Tuesday, but the building's empty on Wednesday. People are going to campuses. Thursday, there's some, but then, you know, um, what I notice is with more and more of that, people are getting crunchier and crunchier. And by mm. that, I mean, you know, a little bit shorter in their patience. Emails are a little bit more clipped and people are choosing efficiency over relationship. Right. And so we said, we've got to be able to slow this down. We've got to push to a little bit more of probably some things we might not have taken time for. So I'll give you an example. Um, last week, we took our pastors uh, down to, to Georgia for a conference. And previously, I would have been like, okay, guys, we're going to divide and conquer. You go to these breakouts. I'm going to go this one. We'll all come back at night. We'll get our laptops and we'll download all of our learnings. Right? It was very much tactical. We're going to get content. And I came into this, and I said our pastors with this just totally different expectation and priority. We said, the win is already done. We're just here together. And we're going to spend a lot of unstructured time going out for barbecue, playing cornhole. We're going to skip some sessions. We're going to play cornhole on the front lawn. We're going to catch up about our kids, you know, stay yes. up a, a little bit later at the, you know, when we're together because we haven't been for two years. Right. I just tell you, like Kelly, like coming back from that, they were like, it was oxygen. Yeah. Leadership soul. We didn't realize how much we had missed and how impoverished we'd had been from not being together and having, I'll say, that social grooming time. Yeah. Just getting to enjoy each other. It's not drive, drive, drive about the content. It's about the community. So that's informing. I'm like, I think that's going to be even more important for lead pastors, for business owners, anyone in charge of a team. You're going to have to take the community temperature of your team and be very a high EQ. You got to be very emotionally aware where people are at. And this time, by default, they're going to be a little bit more clipped, a little bit shorter. And honestly, there's more suspicion because whereas there's distance, right. there's suspicion fills that in. So to rebuild that trust, fill it in with trust, there's got to be proximity, life on life, shoulder to shoulder. Man, I've noticed the same thing that you know, relational drive for our team is a little bit deeper. I think all of us are, you know, when we had that taken away, you know, we didn't realize how important that was and how much we missed it. So how do, how do we protect against going back to that drive, drive, drive and missing that relational thing again? Because I, I don't think this is just a season. I think we've all learned uh, to that re the relationship and pressing into relationship, like just like you gave the example with your team at the conference is going to be, I think, forever going to be something that we as leaders can't look past or shouldn't look past. So how do we protect ourselves from getting back to that drive, drive, drive and missing the relational aspect? Such a good question, Kelly. I, I mean, I find confessional. I find in myself, there's still desire like, well, maybe we can do that in order to survive. And then we can go back the way things right. were. But what I've been trying to preach to myself and every pastor has to preach it first to their own heart, right? Is that no, 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 no. God is doing a new thing. Right. And if I am part of it, can't we just go back? I mean, I think we've heard that a little bit in the Old Testament. Go back to Egypt, you know, all of that. <laughs> yeah, there were some wonderful things there, but there are probably some unhealthy things that we want to consolidate the gains that we have had. Right. So I've seen this as like, oh man, no, we don't want to go back to more of that. Just go, go, go. And we're only united by our win, win, wins. 
um, we've got to see that our staff are also sheep under our care. Right. And working at this church, they should actually grow closer to Jesus through our ministry for him because we've been nursed by being with him. Right. And so for us, we're like, we can't lose that. Even if, you know, attendance comes back, even if, you know, because we're talking meta church now and how we're going to restructure our organization. It's exciting. But we have to say the deeper work that God's doing is slowing us down in order that we're more spirit filled, more grounded, maybe a little less achievement driven, more willing to spend time with people who are suffering, not just get them fixed so that we can you know, move on. Um, because there's pe- the people are coming back are, I don't know about you, I'm just seeing people full of anxiety, depression. You know, it's like there's been a war and there's a lot of trauma. And that requires people who are deeply grounded, patient, even in touch with their with their own suffering. Yeah, no, so good. Or talk, talk to us about the meta church, like what you're thinking and what you're re-envisioning at, at this time. Uh, what is some of the conversations around your leadership team right now that you're excited about? So I had a fascinating conversation last week with Frank Blake, who is the 80 year old former CEO of Home Depot. Yes. <clears throat> you know, it's wow. funny, like sometimes you'll get a word in season for maybe, you know, listening to a podcast or, you know, a great leadership talk by, you know, a rock star like Craig Rochelle. Frank Blake spoke to my soul, man. I was like, the Holy Spirit is speaking through this man. Um, just fascinating. I'm, I'm a Home Depot fan, you know, kind of, you know, that's that's a little Sabbath for me if I can go there and putter around the aisles a little bit for some home yeah. projects. But uh, what was interesting is he was talking about the pivot that Home Depot made in 2007 to a more hybrid strategy. Uh, basically when he took over and he's a, a brilliant guy, he spoke on a number of, of, you know, leadership forums, but he's 81 years old and he walks into the room and, you know, it's so funny. He, he was, I think like an undersecretary of commerce for, for Bush or something, you know, pretty, pretty yeah. well. He, sh- he doesn't need to be spending time with pastors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he comes in and he's wearing, you know, khakis, but he's wearing like wool hiking socks and Patagonia shoes, you know, and everyone was like, oh, you know, this is not the trendiest, you know, kind of, you know, cutting edge, but my gosh, he's like a prophet. And he basically shares, he's like, I took over Home Depot in 2007. We had 2,200 stores, uh, you know, across the nation. And we were building 200 stores a year. Wow. Opening up a new store every other day, more than that, right? Wow. Just because that was, hey, more locations, more foot traffic, more revenue easy. And he said, my first decision as CEO was to say, we're stopping building buildings, no more bricks and mortar. We're not opening new stores. And he said, the shareholders almost had his head. Uh, The board revolted. They said, what are you talking about? He said, we're going to prune back our bricks and mortar locations and redistribute all that energy resource, budgeting, staffing, and go all in on digital. Because this is the statement. He said, our competition at Home Depot is not Lowe's, it's Amazon. Wow. 2007. Wow. 2007. And of course, people were like, oh, this is terrible. We're going to, if we do online, if we really go in on online, it's going to reduce foot traffic, reduce revenues, all of that. Obviously, not only did it not reduce revenue, it increased foot traffic 300%. They became the fourth largest online retailer in the world. And it was a rocket ship ride. And he's talking to us pastors and it was fascinating. He was like, listen, I sell faucets. You sell faith. He goes, forgive me for being that blunt, but (laughs) he goes, what you're sharing with people is 10,000 times more important eternally than what we are. But our website and mobile is all optimized 
only people go on our website, only 4% actually buy something. And we're like, what? 96% use it for exploring. Your wife, Kelly, wants to buy a faucet. So she goes on and she looks for, do I want it in nickel or the satin finish or pewter or whatever? It's research. Yeah. And drives in-store foot traffic. Interesting. I look at your, and he said, permission to speak freely. I actually said, I said, pretend you're Pastor Frank. Pastor Frank, tell us the truth about our websites. And he goes, I don't understand your church websites. It is lists and lists of sermons and, you know, ministries. I have no idea what you want me to do. He goes, the difference is when Home Depot back in analog days, he goes, is you'd have a circular in your Sunday paper, right? It falls on the floor. No one looks at it. But now you go on our website and I know you're looking at faucets. We guaranteed you're going to get a, you know, within 12 hours, an email says 25% off faucets tomorrow, you know? And he said, if, if church leaders could think like that, what are the need states of people? You would right. be advertising that this week we're speaking on fill in the blank, which is right. driven just by what we want to talk about. You'd be thinking about what are people talking about, analyzing that, going through algorithms, et cetera, and then curating your content towards that. Wow. I was like, whoa, we have to rethink this whole thing because, you know, probably like Parallel Church, Liquid Church, we're staffed. I mean, almost 99% towards in-person ministry. Yeah. What we found post-pandemic is that it's almost 50%. People are now moving fluidly between online and in-person, online and in-person, like a figure eight. And that's the new reality. And we can, you know, we can diminish that. We can say, oh, that's terrible. Or we can say incredible opportunity. So, so good. It, it's so true. So talk to us about, about the, the casting vision. So, I mean, you're identifying issues. I mean, it, it, Frank Blake obviously um, lit a fire in you, but now how do you go back to your teams now and say, okay, what's the best method to cast vision, especially in a time like this where everything's so uncertain and, and all the rumors are like, we're getting back to normal. And I'm sure, you know, Jersey's like, like Canada right now where it, you know, we're not Florida. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> yeah. and everybody's, everybody's going, okay, what's going to happen? We're all kind of hesitant. So how, what's the best method you found for casting vision for these kind of changes that you're talking about, where we're having to rethink things now, how do you cast vision when, when there's so much uncertainty? So I have a quote that I'm going to share with my staff next week, <clears throat> a staff meeting. It's by R.T. Kendall. I think it's from his book, The Anointing. I have it written down here in my journal. Sometimes the greatest opposition to what God wants to do next comes from those who are on the cutting edge of what God did last. Wow. <laughs> wow. That challenges you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like the idea that, man, we were maybe once on the cutting edge of what God was doing, and that was two years ago. But now I may be actually the obstacle. I may be standing in the way of what God wants to do next. Whoa. Now, no leader wants to be, no one leader wants to be that guy or gal. And so I'm really challenging our people to see like, man, the, the, the harvest is riper than ever, particularly with the cultural upheaval in the world. People are hungry. But if we're like, well, we are only open, you know, in these hours and you have to come through and order from this menu. We have to totally rethink that. And that's scary. I just want to acknowledge that. Yeah. Part of it is inspiration. It's the vision cast, but it's also speaking to the fear. A lot of pastors feel completely overwhelmed. They're like, I can barely get volunteers for my nursery. Now you're telling me I have to have 
you know, a digital department (laughs) (laughs) and somebody who understands, you know, Google algorithms. No, but it's scary because it's unknown. What I found is I'm trying to harness a lot of, um, and learn from some of the marketplace leaders in our church Mm -hmm. together for a lunch, because one of them actually were at dinner and he actually brought it up. He said, Tim, how are you thinking about, you know, liquid, you know, he called 3.0, uh, you know, because obviously you can see right in-person attendance online, talk to me about that. And as I shared about that, I thought, oh, you know, he's probably wondering like, when are you going to get people back? And so I'm sharing a little bit about, you know, what God's stirring in my heart. And he says, well, I guess I want to raise this because I wanted you to know if you need a seed investor, I'd be willing to give a hundred thousand dollars towards the development of a digital strategy. I just, wow. think this is the future. Uh, he runs yep. his own business. He's a small, he's yep. a small business owner. And he's actually during the pandemic, he went completely mobile. He closed his offices and actually traveled around with his wife and, and kids to three different locations and realized I can totally be mobile. I don't have to be in one physical location. And so he's seeing it in the business world. He's seeing the shift, but marketplace leaders are more willing. They're not threatened by that. Right. See the opportunity. And so he says to me, he goes, I was like, that's incredibly generous. He goes, well, listen, if you want to get a lunch together, I'd love to get three other guys who are interested in this. And maybe we could just brainstorm. Please. I mean, that was like, I felt it was like, you know, the Holy Spirit saying, man, you can do this. I'm going to roll up some artillery around you. Some yes. other guys who are marketplace leaders. And so I think the savvy, you know, we're in the church space. Um, and sometimes just saying, okay, let's, I'm finding a lot of church leaders. Nobody knows what they're doing, man. Right. No, absolutely. We're all in the same boat. Isn't that true? <laughs> all the same boat. And honestly, let's just be honest, listening to the conferences and the podcast, basically everyone's doing a really good job at describing the problem. Yes. It's so true. You can all define kind of what's happened, but no one's really leading and saying what's new, what's next. How's God going to, going to uh, reconstitute his church now in this kind of, you know, meta world. And, um, and so I'm actually finding that some of the voices outside the church, business leaders, those in the marketplace, because they're living it and they're not afraid of innovation, but innovation in the church, particularly in the wake of trauma, sometimes is overwhelming to leaders. So I'm right. trying to get our, speak to our people's fear, but also inspire them and invite other voices to the table. So good. So talk to the leader right now that is is discouraged because well they thought man we're you know the, as a pastor we thought we'd get. This, the bums all back in the seats I get by now and we're not seeing that or, or, and just seeing the discouragement of the uncertainty and the unknown or the business leader who is feeling like, man, I like we're not where we should be. And they're discouraged because they're, they're exhausted and they're not seeing the results. So talk to that, that leader right now. How, how would you encourage them? You know, more than you think, you know, Mm. Um, you know, a lot of us want to go back to what we thought was, you know, Hey, this is what we do. You know, we, 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 Hey, we have high energy worship. We have a really tailored message. That's highly produced. Uh, people, we know our environments, the kids love this, and this is how we treat families. What I have found in the wake of the pandemic, people are craving, um, really more personal encounter rather than a polished performance. Right. And so, again, um, I was talking to my friend Dave Adamson. He wrote a great book, Meta Church. And um, he was talking about how he was talking to one pastor and he was like, bro, I can barely afford a part-time worship leader. Like, how am I going to engage, you know, digitally, socially? How am I going to do that? I don't have any money for that. And he said, you don't need a budget. Most of us are walking around with a $1,000 supercomputer in our pocket (laughs) called our smartphone. Yeah. 
And so he said, you know, I can barely stream my stuff on Facebook. And honestly, it can't compete with the level of, of polish and excellence. <clears throat> and so Dave just said, hey, I just want to challenge you. Just talk to your people. Instead of broadcast, I want you to narrow cast. You are like, I mean, Kelly, come on. In Alberta, it's like, you know, the eyes and ears of Alberta, the pulse of where people are living. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. So that pastor took his dog out for a walk and he just went live on Instagram uh, and said, hey, guys, I'm taking my dog for a walk. Can I pray for anybody out there? And he went, the Facebook stream of the church got like 120 views, you know, on Facebook. And it was sort of depressing, whatever. He had 12,000 views in wow. 30 minutes while he's walking his dog, just praying live for people on Instagram. Wow. And it just blew his mind. No production value, actually no planning, just yep. from the heart. I'm going to engage locally. And he got such engagement on that. So we have more resources than we think. It's not about budget. It's not about who's the smartest person in the room. It's about being willing to learn a new language and go where people are, which is online. Connect yep. parts of minds. It's low production. People want conversational presence. They don't want entertainment. They want engagement, encounter, back and forth. So good. So if I could sum up what our, our conversation so far, I've heard you say two major two major things is that is that relationship is is vital more now than ever. People are craving it. Teams are craving it. Our our leaders are craving it. And also, we've got to go meta. We've got to go online, and we've got to we do got to do the mixture of of being getting where people are at. But also, when we're going online, I hear you circling back around to be social in social media. Don't just broadcast, but but be relational online as much, uh, if not more online than than you have been in the past. And I, I think what I've noticed, maybe you've noticed this as well, is that. I find people are more open relationally behind a computer screen now than they 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 are in person. They're more comfortable. They're more opening up. Some of the conversations when we did our services just online, some of the conversations in the ministry that was happening online was deeper than it would have been in the lobby of the church. Like it's, are you seeing the same thing? Yes. Yeah, very much so. You know, I think people, Nikki Gumbel was talking about Alpha. He said, we would never do Alpha online. You know, it, it, there's just too much intimacy and conversation needs to happen. And he said, in the pandemic, they were forced to go online. He found just the opposite. All of a sudden, people are leaning in because a little bit of that barrier, what you might be intimidated to say in someone's living room or in a circle of chairs, now we're on a screen, man. And people kind of just put it out there or they type it in. So we found some of our small group members who typically are quieter in person. They're much more expressive, willing to share online. Right. But there was a moment, I have to say this, Kelly, where I, I realized we're not really a hybrid church, though. You know, I, I, a lot of people are like, well, yeah, you got your services online. There's, you know, all this online presence. The reality is most churches are using social media like a, like a megaphone. Right. Like a telephone. Oh, so good. Just because you have, you know a Facebook stream and you're putting some of your events on social media, hey, come to our Father's Day or Mother's Day, whatever. That's actually not true engagement. That's right. just shouting through a megaphone at people, you know, Sunday, 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 come back, come back, come back. The idea of social media, of course, is a telephone. So it's, if content is king, engagement is emperor. And so this idea of like, hey, we've got to actually be willing to engage in substantive conversations in chats and DMs. And I know that's overwhelming. You have to have very strong boundaries. 
I struggle with this. It's overwhelming. <laughs> but I do know that I need to give more of myself out online. And let's put it this way. It rubs against me because I'm worried. You know, what if I'm going to, what if I say something I'm going to get canceled, you know, that's going to be on <laughs> yep. or withdrawing. Um, but the reality is you got to lean in because that's not only where people are, it's where they're willing to even be more expressive and ask spiritual questions. That's so good. And I, I think to the, the leader, to the pastor, the business leader that is, that is listening or watching this, we think that in order to go online, we need big production, big budget, but you're saying no, like you're, you're saying be more relational, start where you are and connect with people in, in that regard is, is going to be vital. Personal beats polished every time. Every so time. good, man. This has been such a great conversation that again, I'm inspired by uh, the way you think and inspired by what you guys are doing and love what liquid church is doing and, and the impact it's having uh, in your communities and around the world. Is there a recommended resource for someone wanting to go more in depth to develop their, their leadership that just has really inspired you lately? Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you two. Uh, one is a book that I'm almost finished with um, called Meta Church by my friend Dave Adamson or Aussie Dave. He's an Australian. Yeah. He actually um, he's an amazing friend. He uh, reached out to me back in 2007. He said, hey, I listen to your podcast. I live in Australia. I'm a sports reporter. And uh, God stirred his heart to ministry. He actually moved with his wife, Meg, and their girls over to New Jersey, became our first church online pastor. Wow. 2007. So this was, he was the eighth online pastor, you know, in the world. Now everybody, you know, has online ministry, but it's called how to use digital ministry and reach people and make disciples. And I think he's one of the leading thinkers. This is just, I'm devouring it. I'm giving it to so many people on our team, Meta Church. Um, he's really used his experience after Liquid. He went and served at North Point with Andy Stanley. And so this whole idea of, hey, if you have thousands in person, you should be reaching 10,000s online. If you have hundreds of person, you should be reaching a thousand online. And actually digital scales in a way that in-person doesn't. It's not comp competing with it. It's like Home Depot. It's going to drive foot traffic to your church. So not seeing them as binary either or. Meta Church is fantastic. It literally just came out. And uh, I think you can get it on Amazon. So, Well, it's interesting that you bring that one up because I just uh, a couple of days ago uh, listened to his interview with Kerry Newhoff on, on his on oh, Kerry's podcast. Yeah, it was amazing. So, and I was like, I got to get that book. <laughs> so that's awesome that you brought that up. Uh, the yeah. other one is, I hope it's not too self-interested, but we, in the middle of all this, we did put out a podcast ourselves. It's brand new. Uh, it's called the Church Changer Podcast. So if you Love go to churchchanger.com, uh, I put this out with our director of digital, Lauren Berkerich, extraordinarily talented female leader in our church. Lauren is a rock star. She actually came from a journal, TV journalism background as well. Um, but we uh, started the podcast because we found there was a lack of some conversations around key issues facing uh, church leaders. And so um, this month, we just released our second episode, and we talk about best practices to empower female leaders. Um, what Love we're it. noticing is that, you know, about 60, sometimes 70% of the congregation is female, but in so many churches, only about 10% of the leadership is. Right. Talk about practical ways to kind of break the stained glass ceiling and unleash the power of women leaders in your church, how you develop them while maintaining good boundaries as brothers and sisters in Christ. I think that's going to be a big part of how healthy churches rebuild is unleashing yes. female leaders. So if people are interested, that's at uh, churchchanger.com, or you can just go to Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your uh, 
your podcast from the church changer podcast. Man, that is awesome. Yeah. I encourage every uh, pastor leader to check that out. Well, thank you so much, pastor Tim, for your time today. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. It's been so good. Thanks for imparting to our, our podcast listeners. Kelly, you are a blessing to the global church, my brother. Thank you for what you do and to the whole parallel church family. I know this is a labor of love and uh, it's a blessing to so many people in starting with me. So thanks, brother. What a great conversation with my friend, Pastor Tim Lucas. Matt, the end of each one of these conversations, we want to give you something to chew on, something to apply practically to you and to your organization. And I think one of the things that stood out to me that Pastor Tim talked about was the whole idea of how necessary it is for us to replenish, especially when we've gone through the last couple of years. There's a lot of us that have been depleted. Our organization has been depleted. Our teams have been depleted. And I love his focus on building through relationship, taking time as a leader to be relational with the team, allowing them to be relational with one another. So let me ask you this question. What are you doing? What is your plan to replenish yourself and your team? Especially as we're in summertime, this is a great time to do that and to take some time to replenish yourself as well as your team. Well, thank you so much for joining us today at Parallel Leaders. We are going to continue our conversation this month on leadership. We have some great episodes coming up, teachings. We also have a Zoom call that we do monthly where you can we can connect over Zoom live. I'd love to invite you to that conversation. If you go to ParallelLeaders.com, you can get all the information there or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Parallel Leaders. And we will see you next time. Thanks for joining for this episode of Parallel Leaders, where we help you target and evaluate your organization, leadership, or growth department under the microscope of eight growth points to optimize your effectiveness as a leader.